Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cinematrimony. Hello. I know. Well, look, I'm coming in over music. I've told you this many times. <laughs> That's why I have to overdo it, or else it'll sound it'll sound like NPR. <laughs> it'll sound like bad NPR. Anyways, thank you for joining us, listeners, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to hear my boisterous introduction over the music, over our awesome intro music written by. The excellent Rob Hornbuckle. So uh, today, we're actually we we've seen a couple of movies in the last week, and uh, we've we've been at the beach. So ultimately, so of course we went and saw a bunch of movies. Yeah, obviously, right. <laughs> to, we have to we have to stay away from that harmful. We have to keep our pale nerdy skin away from that harmful sun. That's right. But uh, the one we're podcasting about today, obviously. Is super yeah, obviously well, yeah. I mean, they've seen the title of this podcast, they're not just blindly uh, oh, listening. All right. I don't know. Anyways, Super 8 is what we're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we're talking about, excuse me. But uh, it's <laughs> already a shambles, we've been away too long. <laughs> but I mean, to me, this, this was a movie a lot of people had penciled in as kind of one of the most anticipated of the summer so far, and it's interesting because I kind of talked about. In our Thor podcast, I talked about how summer movies just don't really get me excited anymore. I don't look forward to them. I'm not, uh, I'm not excited watching them. You know, I'm not particularly compelled. And they really just seem like big, expensive, you know, sort of time killers, if anything. And I think the whole point of Super 8, and it's been sort of well documented, is that it's trying to specifically trying to you know recapture that early Spielberg feel but but maybe more generally it's trying to play up that old 80s early 90s summer movie thing when movies like this were supposed to actually have some intrigue to them they were supposed to have some excitement around them and to me uh, going into the movie, I was definitely interested and excited and anticipating it in a way that I don't with a lot of movies. What were your feelings going into this? Well, all of our little nerds on on the Twitter were a Twitter about this film. Um, so I, I, because everyone's expectations were so high, I sort of had low expectations because I have a bad attitude. But know. that's just the people you know. I think for the most part, most people's expectations aren't high of this. Most of the people I, that, like my family, when we told them we were going to see this, they'd never even heard of this movie. Well, they don't know things. But they had heard of Thor, probably. See, to me, this was tricky. This this whole thing about uh, marketing this so that you don't know what's going on in the movie. And I, I get that it's like trying know. to create some mystery. Get- but I had a pretty good sense it was going to be did? like a monster movie. Yeah. That wasn't, you know. But you also had been reading about the movie. No, but I think I got that from the trailer. Yeah. Something happens, you know. I mean, there's not really many options if the government's trying to cover up something that was in a train. Like, yeah. 
probably an alien. What is it going to be? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a monster movie. Oh, we should say for sure. Oh, this is a, As usual, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. So we will be talking about things that happen in the movie, and we will... We will like not. Said, I don't think that's a spoiler if they've seen the trailer. For no, them. I agree. That's pretty much given away. I, I think the only thing they kept back is what it looks like, and they don't show you. Uh, and really, that's kind of the way the movie goes too. Though they're they're restraining themselves for as long as possible. I, I do think the trailers were vaguer than your normal movie trailer, and I think it probably will hurt the movie at the box office a little bit. It uh, doesn't. But I think there's going to be good word of mouth. I bet this does a good. It will weekend. need it will need good word of mouth. It did not do a huge first weekend so far. Well, we're, I think we're recording it will. this on Saturday, but I think it will do some word of mouth action, and I bet there's certain people in Stark who might go and see it again multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is not. Unfortunately, this is not really. Uh, you know. What this is, what this is sort of proving to Hollywood commercially is that these kind of movies, as much, and this has been universally critically praised. This movie really is. I've not seen a negative word about it yet. Really, it's that people who see these movies still like them, these kinds of movies, but you can't make the same amount of money as you can with big, garish, stupid. Shia LaBeouf and a Victoria's Secret model running around while skyscrapers fall over and robots punch each other. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this is going to – this is a unique movie today in 2011, but I think it's going to stay unique. I don't think it's going to – it's not a game changer. Here's the other thing too, which, you know, back in the 80s when Goonies and stuff were coming out, first of all, I did not watch Goonies as a child, and since have a not ever been able to finish it. I've never found it as compelling. You don't like as it. Everyone loves it. Yeah. But I'm also with a lot of things that I have seen as an adult that came out in the '80s, and I didn't get to see many movies as a kid in the '80s. I'm kind of appalled by like the language and stuff that like this was a kids' movie, but like you know, I, you're appalled by it. I mean, that's a little bit because you know it's I'm a not movie appalled. for thirteen year old boys. That's who that is how they talk. Yeah, but you know, my peers were seeing movies like The Goonies when they were like five or six. You know, like they were young watching. Well, yeah, movies. it's not a movie for five. So girls. my point is that was sort of you know rough talk and stuff. Like who the problem is who's going to see a movie about middle school age kids? That's a rated PG thirteen movie. But it's not a kid's movie. But it's about kids. Like, other than people who, like, understand and get it and that they're going for a kid-based movie that isn't a children's movie, you know, like, you know, us and our listeners kind of get it. But, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for... Is this movie PG-13? I think it has to be. I don't know. There was some bad language and there was drugs. Yeah, but I don't think it's... There was no F-bombs. I think it's PG-13. I think there were F-bombs. No. Um, well, yeah, just continue your thought. Well, I, I think it's going to be hard for your average film goer who doesn't quite understand, like, the point, what they were going for, to understand it's a chill, you know, the main characters are, you know, five kids, but it's not a kid's movie, and it's not kids acting like kids. It's, well, it's not kids yes, acting like, no, wait. It's not kids acting like Hollywood kids. They're kids actually acting like actual kids, which means that, you know, 12 and 13-year-old boys are calling each other another name for a cat, perhaps, you know, and stuff. Like, that is, 
It, more than any movie... Well, all right. Stop. I liked this movie, like, 50% of this movie I really, really liked. I think it lost its footing when it got to the... Like, when it started really getting into the alien stuff. Like, I liked the camaraderie of the kids. And I liked that, um, you know, I liked the... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The, the the back and forth of the, the kids. The chemistry of the kids. Yeah. And I think it was... I don't know why I feel like I'm, like, some sort of authority on how, like, middle school-aged kids, boys talk to each other. But for some reason, it rang very true to me. I guess because I was a girl who did hang out with guys and never had any of them alter their behavior to impress me. So, like, I'm accustomed to hearing, like, young boys who your mom doesn't want to believe talk like that, talk like that, you know? Right. And that kind of antagonistic relationship with each other. Yeah. Like, I feel like Stand By Me got it. Like, that movie was kind of the last time that you saw a group of boys acting like a group of boys. Well, I don't I mean, know where that even started. I don't... My stomach hurts. Yeah, you've been going... Yeah. Oh, right. Says Mr. Like, start every podcast with ten minutes of you talking. I might as well be making myself a sandwich. <laughs> Jeez. Anyways. I'm pregnant, Matt, and my stomach hurts, and I have acid reflux. All right. Anyways, the I think where you were going, the basic nugget of that is, Don't tell me is to I'm say going. that the the character relationships and the personal drama aspect of it you really liked a lot. It's when they start getting into well, and the sci-fi elements and the and really that is uh, I, I'll agree with you about this. I would say if you want to compare this to say ET. Right, which is a similar thing. It's personal, personal drama, with you know, sci-fi type stuff thrown into it, and that is kind of a Spielberg thing, to me. And this is a thing that J.J. Abrams or people around him, people who've worked on his stuff after he left it, mm-hmm. like Lost, don't really get as much. Is that? Uh, There's this, like, obsession with telling us as little as possible about what's going on and about the plot details and just having to sneak it in these little – and, like, you're throwing all these details at us and it doesn't tie together fast enough. And I feel like if you wanted to make this really Spielberg-ish, you got to go back to – the 80s and see what they actually did which is they 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 they're throwing fewer details in your face and the ones they do throw at you are consistent and they make sense and to me this this gets a little there's there's too much going on so he's got the little metal cubes going around and although that does get explained but okay he's building a spaceship he eats people but he also is empathetic to people and he has a tele, you know telekinesis connection with you I don't agree with you at all because I, you're saying you want more and more explained information. To me, that's where it fell apart is it got a little too on the nose. Like, I would have preferred that, you know, you didn't, like, even though, and it totally ripped the little tears out of my eyes, big old spoiler, but, you know, when the locket gets pulled up there, like, you no, know. No, that was nice. But that's the thing. I, it felt a little on the nose. Like, I kind of saw it coming a mile away, and even though... You know, Michael G. and whatever got me with the score, and I'm still Chiquino. weeping. I was yeah. still kind of also rolling my eyes, going like, oh, come on. But I think, I mean, the thing is, J.J. Abrams, But this is his this... pedigree, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, is Felicity. 
which he's that very good. That's not his pedigree. No, here's what I'm saying. That's where he started. That's and not that's where what he he's started. Best at. That's not what he, where he well, started. Well, I know, but that's the first he thing used that was to like write, a J.J. Abrams joint. Yeah, but he used to write TV shows. But I'm saying that was the thing he was responsible for that was like the big J.J. Abrams thing that he did first. And that was great. That was such a good show, and it was a good show because he clearly does have a really, like, you don't get to scoff okay. Jack Shepard. <laughs> That's what you just did. You did a Jack Shepard move. The disbelieving scoff and shake of head. All right, well, go ahead and finish your point about Felicity. He, he managed to very, he, he very honestly and truthfully captured human relationships. And then somewhere along the line, he decided he had to add in a sci-fi element. Because if you think about E.T., there is almost no information about E.T. and where right. he came from. And that's a good thing. That's like, what I was saying. No, I'm you saying, were saying no, that you, wanted, saying you didn't stuff want that, little tidbits. You wanted it spelled out No, for but I want, here, I want him to be – I want him to have more economy about the sci-fi element. So put less stuff out there. But what you do put out there – Explain it because he but likes that's what I'm to saying. have. Et, you don't know anything about his. Yeah, I know, planet but he's not. He's not throwing he's, anything you know, else how at he us. Ended up there. But they're not also when Et comes out. They're not also like, oh, here's a film reel of Et when he was being experimented on by the scientists and what were they trying to do to him? And Et has this special thing that you know he can touch people and become friends with them. But also, he murdered a guy once. Like they don't. They're not throwing all of this different stuff at you, like. That doesn't make the, – at the end of the day, this creature doesn't really make any sense because he is supposed to be sort of in the end just this misunderstood good guy creature. But we also see him just eating people at random. Right. So what's like – it just – it's not it's not as consistent. It doesn't really make sense. It was – it doesn't feel like it was as well thought through as the rest of the movie, as the personal parts of the movie. And that's why I say I think he likes to – I think he gets these cool little ideas and he throws them out there. And we saw it with Alias too if you want to use that. I'm not going to pin Lost on J.J. Abrams because I don't think he's responsible for what a mess that show became. But if you want to look at Alias, there are a lot of little little bits and pieces that got thrown around in there and then sort of ended up – they were just loose ends that never got tied up, you know. Mm-hmm. And – I think he probably, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of that going on in Star Trek too. In his Star Trek movie, there's although that I guess you could say that's supposed to be going on, to, you know. But there's there's a lot of stuff in there with the alternate timelines and all that stuff. It's just he overcomplicates things for himself. J.J. Abrams does, and I th- I think he it, it, that's just a that's just a um, you know it's a gimmick that has worked for him and a lot of other people is to play up. The mythology, you know, it's it's really something that M Night Shyamalan did, kind of too. Well, I mean, that's the uh, that's the, that's the movie that it does make me. It makes me think of Signs. I and agree. It was this, such a good yeah. movie until we started getting a little too like on topic. Like it would. I think that this movie would have been a better movie if this is a better the movie alien than stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. Well. I'm not sure if I agree with you on that. I would have to think. I think the I'd have sci-fi to make a pro con list or something. I think the sci-fi part of this movie, if we is better than the sci-fi part of Signs. The personal drama no, stuff, you know I really I think, like that about Signs. But I think when when we get to the alien stuff, it's better here than it is in Signs. No, Science. see that's the that's the thing because there's more of it here, and it started to feel like Transformers to me when you got you know which 
inexplicably, it still doesn't really make any sense why metal is being pulled up there if he got his cubes back anyways. I don't really understand that at all. He didn't get all but the like, cubes back till the very end. I know, but why was he getting all the... He was still pulling metal to him, too. It just Because he's trying to get the cubes. Well, at any rate, so what? The locket then just, like, fell to the ground when he took off into space? Like, that's the thing. I think a better movie would have been if the alien stuff was strictly peripheral to what was going on with the kids. And, like, maybe they gave... Like, to me, the kind of, like, the where it sort of falls apart is when the kids... When he's talking to the alien. Like, that to me just didn't fit. It it would have been better if, you know, the the alien had just been mean or it, it just... I mean, like, literally him picking him up and, like, looking into his eyes. Like, that was a problem for me. I think it was a... I actually think it was the only moment of the movie that I didn't feel like the kid who played Joe, Joel Courtney, that I didn't really enjoy his performance. And it's just because... It's a tough moment. It's, you know, you're asking this kid to look at probably a big green, you know, spot on a wall and look scared but also brave and empathetic and, you know, I don't know. It's It was uh, – I think I, I agree with you that that moment didn't work for me. I overall, though, liked the alien stuff more than you did, I think. And, yes, and so. But to me, though, you got to remember, at the end of the day, this is a summer movie. And as good as the personal drama stuff is, and it's really good, this is still supposed to be an action sci-fi movie. And if it's got all that other stuff in it, then great. And really, that's kind of the point of the little side narrative of them making their own little movie, which is that they're making this zombie movie. And, yeah, it's, you know... It's it's gonna have they're they're gonna they're gonna try to they're gonna try to make it with good production value or whatever. But that the kid figures out like, look, if we make people care about the characters, then it'll be a a, a better movie. And that's their little meta, you know, commentary about I guess about summer movies overall and where it's all gone to. Yeah. But you know, and I think I think they accomplished it mostly. And I I love this movie overall. I'm we're we're nitpicking it. I think. To me, I can definitely see this ending up a sort of sleeper Best Picture nominee at the end of the year. Uh, I don't know. Did you not enjoy? I did the like movie? it, I but mean, I'm saying I don't know that it would be. I don't. Think I was the stakes are riveted, high enough. I was riveted for the entire movie, even the stuff that we're talking about now. Not liking, I think it was only in retrospect. I still was very in it. I enjoy. I enjoyed it. I don't know that it's best picture caliber. It might get nominated for some, you know, music score. I don't know. I just didn't quite. And again, I told you I went into it with too many people having gone like, "I'm so excited! This is going to be the best thing ever!" and like rending their garments and like cutting themselves with knives over their excitement for me to go like. I just as soon as anybody does that, I'm like, it's not going to be that good. There's no way it's going to be that good. I, I, I think really it was enjoyed the kids a lot. Like I said, I very much liked that aspect of it. But I think it just, there were two tones at play, and they didn't quite meld together right. And there was lots of, there were lots of little, oh my gosh. Our cat is jumping into a lamp right oh now. Oh no. Cat. Oh god. I think there was a Oh no, don't do that. I think there was a lot of. One element that always struck me as a very, um, that just seemed like, you know, Spielberg at his best was, um, 
the, I don't remember the name of the kid who was making the movie. Um, Charles, the yeah, movie Charles. maker. Yeah. His, any scene with his family, that was like, yeah, that, that was, was great. so yeah. very, like, that reminded me so much of an 80s film, that he had this big family, and there was always, like, some sort of, you know, physical comedy going on in the background with regards to, yeah. like, his 18 siblings, and, like, how they were annoying him, but he was also, like, not really, like, paying attention to them. Having been from a big family, like, I remember the household being chaotic, but also you could, like, find your own little, like, private heaven in it and just ignore everybody else. I think Charles, in general, is a great 80s movie character because he's very, uh, you know, he's that... That's the one that felt like a Goonies character. I think when people make that comparison to this movie, to Goonies, think it's because of Charles. And also, there's, there's quite a few scenes where... The kids are all talking over each other, you know? Yeah. That was a very Goonies thing, and Charles is involved in that a lot. He's, he's very loud, and he's funny, and he's crude, you know? He's, well, he's a great 80s fat kid. Let me tell you what worked so well for me, and then had an abrupt... Suddenly it started not working at all. The whole thing where they're shooting the scene at the train station, that was just, like, crackling. Great, great it was scene. so good that, like, you know, it was just... It just was fast paced there were so many little funny jokes and you know i was enjoying you know the film aspect parts of it you know making the film and then the train wreck happens and it's 45 minutes long like how many cars i mean it's a long train no but they were like flying into the air and flipping over like it was just a truck that hit it wasn't another train going 80 miles an hour it hit it it didn't it to me that was like way too like it was just such a long Long, like suddenly it took me out of it because I was like, I'm sorry, a train derailing isn't like 85 trains flipping into the air and exploding and like well, it's like whoa. I don't know. I'm not going to argue the the uh, accuracy of a train derailment. I mean, it almost seemed like I was like, is this supposed to be a joke? This is going on for so long and everything. It's not like some of it just felt like buckled and fell off the tracks. It was all like thrown in the air and flipping and like yeah, but that's probably what happens when a train... Have you ever seen a train derailment? Yeah. It's like, you know, the first couple gets messed up, and then after that, they're just off of the rails. <laughs> They've been derailed. I know, man. No, I don't think... And again, it was... It doesn't, like, you know, I'm not a physics major, Matt, but I don't think a single car running into a train would cause that much havoc. I think it would... It would, uh, you know, you would, it would, you would need, like, a jet liner to run into a train for it to cause that big of a crash. I don't know. I mean... It sounds again like, like you're sort of saying like I really liked this movie, and then the action stuff happened in it. Like, yeah, well, I am saying, but that. that's what the movie is. No, it wasn't. It don't that's, trick me. That's like saying, don't start with this beautifully subtle shot of like you know how many days since the last accident, and then you're at a funeral, and then it's four months later, and it's these friends, and they're having this wonderful like you know camaraderie and back and forth. And then there's this great scene, and they're making a movie, and they're being funny, but they're also, like, taking it very seriously, and everything's good. And then have a 25-minute train wreck when but a train <laughs> ran into a single car. But that's the premise of the movie. No. The premise of the movie is that an alien lands. It's not that there's a 25-minute train wreck. That's my point. It just took me out because I was I was honestly like, really? Like, how many more train cars are going to flip over and explode. Like, we get it. It was a bad crash. Oh, my God. I'm just surprised that you're so off-put by the stuff in this movie that actually makes it a summer movie. I'm just saying it would have made more sense if it had been, like, you know, 
20 minutes instead of 25 minutes of trains flipping over. I think also you're remembering it as being longer than it was. No, I, bet I, it was, I was less, having that experience and that thought while it was happening. I bet it was less than five minutes. I know, but it's still, it was, you didn't get any sense of like, okay, they were like really, like, I felt like they were like overcompensating for the fact that like, okay, the first 20 minutes of this film have been quiet and talky, so now we've got a really huge explosion! I think there were probably more explosions than there needed to be. Like, the part where he runs up after a thing lands in front of him, and then there's an explosive tank in that, and then that blows up. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying, but that's not even it. I'm telling you, shot shot for shot, train cars in the air, it was ludicrous. It got ludicrous. There was a lot of stuff happening. It didn't, I'm just saying, it, I enjoyed for me, it. it took me out of it. Let me tell you the scene that because you've been very negative about this movie so far for a movie I, that you no, say No, I keep like. telling you, I liked the personal drama part of it, but, I mean, it's like when we saw, when we, I don't think we read it, I think we saw it on TV, what? that movie, The Holiday, and it was the... Oh, you're Kate comparing Winslet, this to this The is Holiday? What, I'm just saying it, because that was a movie that was like 50% split. Kate Winslet, Jack Black part was great. But it, you can't say it's a great movie because the other part was so terribly yeah, sucky. Yeah, the other, the other 50% of that movie was garbage. The other 50% of this movie, you were not I'm excited not saying it's garbage, it. but I'm just saying it took me out of all the, you know, I was enjoying one aspect of it. And then, I'm not saying, Matt, you're turning me into the villain of this piece. I'm just saying, for me, that's what didn't work. Is that the tonally, it didn't meld quite right. I think I think a good scene where that where it did work and where it made sense when they're in the bus and they start getting attacked. Yeah, the bus scene is great. It was it was you were still getting a good sense example. of the characters and everything yes. and, and their you know, their back and forth and their chemistry yeah. while you were having the action. But I'm saying, you know, ten minutes of trains exploding and nobody talking is like such a you know, one eighty from what had been happening beforehand that it took me out of the movie. Yeah. So there. Well, the bu- I'm glad you brought up the bus scene, at least. And like I said, that also scared me so bad I thought I was giving birth. I was really, I was really, really on edge when they're underground. That whole scene, like, I, at some point... That's what I, to do with the bus? No, but, I, no, but I'm talking about it as another scene. It really took me, I took myself out of the movie for a second and said, like, I, you know... I know this is not going to end with a bunch of kids being eaten and murdered, but this is still really, really intense to me. But um, the the scene that, to me, is the the scene where I watched it and had the best picture thoughts come into my head as a nom- nominee, best picture nominee thoughts, is, and I think it's also Elle Fanning's big scene, is the scene where they're getting uh, her made up to be a zombie and um and Joe is kind of basically it's their it's the, it's the most romantic scene in the movie it's where it's where Joe is sort of like I, I, is he putting makeup on her still or he's yeah. she's trying to she's acting like a zombie yeah she's trying out her zombie look at him and he's basically like just completely in love with her and she does the little thing where she tries to she fake bites his neck and there's like a little lipstick on his neck. That is that to me was the most Spielbergian moment in the whole movie. And it was a perfect little scene and it was it was the I mean it was almost too good for everything else that I've seen of JJ J. Abrams. And I guess that just 
it just to me means I haven't given J.J. Abrams enough credit as a filmmaker who can make actual stuff like that instead of just lens flare action sequences. But uh, that, Which, way, to me, was really, really good stuff. And there were more scenes like that in the movie. Like you mentioned, the beginning of the movie, that was also very... Uh, yeah. Just, just I, I keep that saying Spielberg, very... but it, what it is is it's just uh, dialogue-free storytelling and well, you're I just liked, being smart about I how you told it. I liked the light touch of it. that. Like, it was just something about the... It was just a very, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Iconic isn't really the right thing to say, but just the way that... Sure. No, it is iconic. Yeah. It was just a very, like, subtle way to, ex- you know, do your exposition is to have yeah, the, and you the get man the, um, changing the numbers on the last day since accident. And you get that nice sound effect of the uh, of the locket closing, which you hear at the very end of the movie, too. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, let's talk about... Miss Fanning, she. I think her her money scene was the scene where they're watching the fi- film strip, and she's crying because she knows what happens. And I thought that was very moving. Although, and I try. I, I generally don't read Ebert's review before we talk, but he said that she's supposed to be older than them. That she's supposed to be two years older than him. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be like that. fifteen, maybe, and they're like thirteen. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought, I mean, I thought that was all handled very well, and mad props to J.J. Abrams, who the culmination of that romantic relationship was them holding hands at the end of the movie, because Well, they're little kids, I mean. Well, I mean, she's 15, and listen, that does not stop most people. Yeah, I know. And I would like to say, part of the thing... He did get a skank character in the movie, though, and I thought she did a good job. The um, The A.J. Michalka, who's apparently kind of a Disney Channel star, but she was really funny in her handful of little scenes. Well... I have to say, I really appreciate that he used middle school age kids because, as I've told you before, I think that when our kids are at their most awkward, I'm going to be, that's when I'm just going to, like, my heart will break for them and I'll just love them so much. They're more likable at that age. Well, the thing about that age is, you know, they're, I mean, like real life kids, not just kids in movies, is that, you know, you can't get, you can't skate by on being cute anymore because you're not. And these were not cute kids, which No, they were off. weird looking kids. These were a bunch of kids who looked like they were 11 and 12 and like weird looking. And you're not, you know. Especially the not, firecracker kid. That is a yeah. weird looking kid. He was perfectly cast yeah. though. That was a very <laughs> 80s move to put that kid in there. Yeah. Like the smart aleck, like weird looking kid. Mm-hmm. But then they're not teenagers who are, you know, operating under, you know, the most important thing is posturing for everyone else. Like middle school is kind of childhood to me at its purest because you spend childhood trying to make adults like you and teenage you know years trying to make your peers like you and in middle school you're really just out for like out for normal. you just want to have fun like you just want to have fun you're all weird looking so you know there's even not as much fanning is a little weird looking but she looks very 80s to me like yeah. she looks like 80s pretty but you know that you, there, there's like a pureness of childhood that happens in middle school and maybe i'm romanticizing it because I know that, you know, girls start getting nasty and catty earlier and earlier, but I certainly feel like, especially with boys, Mm -hmm. like, they're, you know, you're not, at that point, you're not totally, totally interested in girls. Like, even as much as Joe liked um, Alice, you know, like, you you kind of know they started their summer with the intention of, like, this is going to be the best summer ever, we're going to make our movie, and, like, you know, they weren't thinking, like, I'm going to catch a girl, you know. Right. Like, there's a certain innocence that you can... And especially having put this in the, what, late 70s, early 80s, as you did, childhood was a little more sacred then, and that really was 
you know, summers were like you got kicked out out the door, you know, in the morning, right. come back in time for dinner, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think that was a very, it's a very lovely, you know, twilight hour. I don't know, twi- magic hour kind of thing to do in pictures, and nobody yeah. does it anymore. What did you think of um, Kyle Chandler? Um, I liked him. I thought he was, um, you know, uh, Matthew Fox, basically. I know oh, people, he did a better job than I'm Matthew just saying, Fox. But I think that done. he was. He is a. Uh, I think you could have. Uh, I think you could have put either of them in that spot. You could have put Matthew Fox in there, role. but it would not. He would not have been as. Uh, Likeable, and he would have been more tortured looking than Kyle Chandler. I, I do. I mean, I like him. I've never watched Friday Night Lights on principle at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was going to ask if you like him enough now to want to watch that show. Yeah. Never. I suffer. Never. Out. Well, it's just Matt. Like, you know what? I'm exposed to enough football in my life. This is not. I, I don't know. People, pe- listeners of this show, please hammer. At me, no Nana Muffin on Twitter and and Facebook, and tell her that she needs to watch that show. Tell her that she needs to approve that onto our Netflix queue. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Spelled like men on Anna Muffin because she spelled it wrong. I don't like bananas. Yeah. Why, why would I know how to spell it? Anyways. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I guess so. But, I mean, I liked After it. all the, I, I yeah, you liked like, it. it was, no, I'm saying I liked him. He was, you know, it was just it was a more or less thankless role. I mean, they did get to have a nice scene, but he was he was really, you know, as it should be. Parents were, you know, pretty much absent from this film because it was the kid's story. Yeah. So you know, he was he was good. He was he got the job done. How about that? Yeah. He did. Well, but you would definitely. But re- I liked the recommend movie. This I would movie. recommend this movie. Yes. Yeah. I'm picking it apart because everyone was like, you know, thought I was the second coming. No, I appreciate and that you're doing that. I appreciate that you're trying to be the voice of cold reason in the and I like JJ the Abrams fever of I, love about this movie. And right I will now. continue to be interested in the things he likes. He is not someone who I'm like, you know, I there are. I know. skeptically, I, I would, I, I would definitely approach everything JJ Abrams does with a little bit of skepticism, but thinking that he's. I think he's I still very I appreciate that he's out promising. there doing it. And yes. that he's trying to do things that are different yeah. and original. Or in this case, you know, an homage. But, you but know, I it's think, original because no one has done an homage to, you know, yeah. 80s I think he, summer blockbusters. I think he and Matt Reeves try a little too hard sometimes. But I think they're ultimately... I'm glad that they're... I'm glad they're doing it. I, I wish okay. that they had a little bit more restraint I, I feel like you haven't had a chance to be as glowing as you'd like because you've been busy, you know, ripping me a new one for saying that I didn't like some parts of it. No, I, I, I've i said my, my piece about it. I was completely riveted the whole movie. There was never a moment during the movie that I didn't like it. Afterwards, I looked back on a couple of things and said I didn't love that. Like you said actually seeing the alien even though he's not terrible it's better it's a better monster than cloverfield which yeah. but it's you know i still think the, the the shot where we're right up in his face i don't like i don't want to see big gaping sideways nostrils i don't i don't care like if we're supposed to be feeling sympathy for that 
creature at that moment. It doesn't work. It's just a big CGI. Well, and again, face. another thing that felt a little ham-fisted is like the moment where you're supposed to go like, ah, they gave him human eyes. Like suddenly he has. Yeah, it doesn't work. It still, doesn't his work. eyes are yeah. human, and it was like again, like they're beating you over the head with yeah. like you know. He's just like us. Well, he's not because he was stealing people and hanging them upside down in his lair. And he, and he was eating them. They right. showed him at one point. They're like, he's eating people. And that and that was not like somebody who was shooting at him. Yeah. It was some random person that got, that got eaten, basically. And he killed yeah. other people during the movie, too. So it's, that, that also, wasn't perfect. Actually, the whole argument that Joe makes with him, which was like, what? You can, like, bad things bad happen. Bad things happen. But... Like, there's not a one-to-one there. It doesn't really... Like, it didn't compute. No, like, I get thing, that it was supposed to be... Bad thing happened to the alien, too. And the kid's saying, like, no, bad stuff happened to me, too. It wasn't my fault. But, you know, we get over it and we move on. Right, but he didn't say that. He was just kind of like, bad things happen. and like Yeah, but they were talking in their minds. Were they? Yeah. Oh. They got the other dude, the, uh, the dude from The Wire, says... You know, when he touches you, there's like a... He's not from The Wire. Psychological... Nah, he's from The Wire, too, though. He's the mayor on The Wire. Well, yeah, but again, that that to me just quite... Like, it was felt like they were really trying to go, like, it's a one-to-one. And it's like, well, no, it's this is a kid whose mother died in a tragic accident. And this is an alien who's been killing people for, like, you know, 30 years. And suddenly (laughs) he's like, what? Your mom died? Bye. See you later. And it took I don't a kid think, saying I agree. to him, like, no, you can still make your ship. Get out of here. I agree that like, it didn't what? tie. It didn't make sense. I would say it didn't tie together perfectly. In the moment of watching it in the movie, it didn't bother me. And I was I was compelled and I was interested. And I really... I'm glad it worked out. I mean, I did want him to leave because he was killing people. Yeah. So I'm glad that tactic worked. Right. But I'm... Is he a dummy, that alien? Is he a little bit of a dummy? A little bit of a dumb head? That, like, it took a kid going, like, you can still make your ship. And he was like, what? See ya. Bye. Right. Yeah, I don't really know. The logic of the alien didn't quite The alien was sense. apparently needed some sort of Dr. Phil-esque emotional resolution, and then he could go build a spaceship. Yeah. But, no, I agree. It didn't all tie together perfectly, That the two threads. But, um... You know, I think other than that scene, I think there were I very, was, very beautiful moments. I in the movie enjoyed and I the entire movie, seeing them. and I appreciated. I did. I did like the experience of it. Yes. But you know, sort of like Lost, <laughs> you, you you're like watching it, and you're like, yeah, and then you start to think about it, and you're like, what the hell just happened? Right. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? You know, like so. I mean, and I and I it sort of resolved with it sort of resolved with a vague. Uh, Platitude, yeah, that makes you think like, oh, that is so true. And then you go, wait, that has nothing to do with what they were talking about. Like he's letting, and like frankly, the whole locket thing again. I, I think it's mostly the score that made me weep a little bit. But I'm like, don't let go of that locket. It's your, it's your mom's thing. Like what? No, the Why alien. That's that? the alien wanted it so that he could remember that bad things happen. Is that right? And the See, kid needed to let it go sense. and move on with his life. But he didn't. It's his mom's. As a picture <laughs> Like, yeah, no, you should hang on to the locket. Yeah, I agree. And he what? And it doesn't make sense either because he wasn't really, like, in, you know, like, he missed his mom. But it wasn't like he wasn't functioning, you right. know? Like, there wasn't actually that high of a stake for him to forget his mom. Like, right. no, you should remember your mom who died. Like, yeah. that's something you should do, kid. Like, so it was, like, the imagery, you sometimes feel like, like, you know, 
Like, you sometimes say to me when I, like, come up with something, you're like, you thought of that title first, didn't you? And then you thought of film. It's like they thought of, like, I oh, think they thought of the locket. image of a yes. locket, and it opens, yeah. and then he lets go of it. I think they, oh, thought, the movie around they thought of the locket gag before they wrote the rest of the movie. Yes, I think you're right. But, again, I need to stress, I liked it. I would recommend it. I, there I were, really there were hope that, of it I really, that were really, really good to me. I really hope saying, that nobody listens say, to this before they see it because they're going to think that the movie sucks. Except for that I've said now 18 times that it was really good and I really liked it. But this is why I can't leave it going like, oh, Super 8 is super great. I can say it's super good. Parts of it were super great. But I can't, I this can't is my say favorite it was like movie. the perfect movie. This is my favorite movie of the year so far. Okay. I liked Kung Fu Panda. You liked Kung Fu Panda mm-hmm. 2 better than this? That was a... Not not to say that with any scorn, because that's a good I'm movie. I'm saying this... Like I say, like the, the good of this was very, very good and very, very likable and enjoyable yeah. to me. I'm just saying what kept it from being the perfect movie is, you know, these things I have outlined. The high points are super high. Yes. It's just not completely consistent up there the whole time. Which I get. I mean, yeah. is, you know, kind of a trademark of J.J. J. Abrams at this yes, point. Yes, I agree. You know, I mean... But again, don't, again, don't infuse... Don't don't put that lost stuff on J.J. J. Abrams. All right. He did the pilot and he walked away. He's well, not responsible for any of that garbage that happened but later there were, I think show. I think we can safely say, though, with Alias, too, like, there were times that we would look at each other and be like, oh, my gosh, what? That's incredible. And yeah. other times where it was like, what? No, per- what? no that's it's a good happening. example. Like, the, the high points on Alias or on even in the Star Trek movie that he did and Mission Impossible 3 also, although I don't think you saw that. No. But the high points, when J.J. Abrams hit, is hitting on all cylinders, he is spectacular. But he doesn't seem to be able to put it all together yet. Well, and you sometimes get a little bit of, you know, which, I mean, and this is nowhere near, you know, the Frankenstein, you know, purposefully um, meta, I don't know, I never know if I'm using that right, thing that, like, Tarantino would get to. But you have to be careful, you know, there's homage and then there's, like, hero worship. And you can get a little bit to, like, you know, again, the whole thing with the locket, like, I think he was going, like, this will be our iconic, you know, image. Yeah. Like, he got a little bit, like, you know, oh, man, you know, the Amblin, you know, E.T. on the bike, you know. Like, I mean, he was going, like, what's going to be our image? Like, what's going to be the thing that everybody remembers from this film? And, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, Steven Spielberg. I think the water there was tank a pure, is, his, is his icon in all right, this movie. Well, I think there was probably a pure, you know, I, don't, I, I never get the sense that, like, you know, these things that became these iconic moments in Spielberg, they don't feel like they're so forced. And I feel like sometimes with J.J. Abrams, like, you really can feel the gears grinding and, like, they're really trying to make a moment happen. I don't think most of it felt forced. I think you're right on a couple of them. I think most of it did, but I'm saying that's kind of where his stuff will fall apart to me is you feel, you know, the the homages are, like, really, like, and again, I know we can't say lost, but that's kind of the J.J. Abrams experience that I have the most, you know, experience with. But, you know, like, on that, too, like, they would kind of really, like, it's not, like, just tipping the hat. It's, like, taking it off and, like, throwing it at the audience's face, you know, of stuff. And so I think he gets gets a little too hero-worshipy, a little bit too, like, into the process, you know, and, like, again, and then it becomes a little too on the nose for it to be, like, a perfect film because, you know... Yeah, like I said, a little bit of the originality. He's trying trying a little too hard. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. But that's fine. I'm glad that he's trying. Exactly. I applaud the effort. Yes. But I'm saying, you know, 
Sometimes trying, the over-eagerness I will always go see... Kickback. I will, I will always be more likely to go back to somebody's movie if they tried. And J.J. Abrams is the, the top echelon of this kind of filmmaker, of somebody who does some things extremely well, but not everything well. And, you know, I will always be more interested in seeing that than seeing something like Transformers 3, and I'll pick on it again because yeah. we saw no, the trailer pick on for it. it. Please. It's garbage. Because we will not be doing a cinematrimony on Transformers 3. We could probably do one without seeing it. Right. But they're, you know, just, just the going through the motions, Pirates of the Caribbean 4, you know, just, just these, after, of all the movies that will come out this summer that people did not put any creativity or passion or effort into at all. They just came to work. They shot the script that eight people wrote based on a scientific formula of what needs to be in a summer movie. All those crap movies that are going to be churned out this summer, that are going to make $300 million. This movie may do well to make 150, but I do think at the end of the day, it is a movie that you can have an actual emotional experience in. It has moments that are really impactful and that has stuff in it that took legitimate, you know, effort and heart and and somebody who cared about the movie he was making. Uh, that I think this is going to be you, – you will not find many that are going to feel that way this summer and Super 8 feels that way. I'll tell you what. I just want J.J. Abrams to make, you know, a stand by me. I want him – I don't know why he got kind of stuck in this now, J.J. Abrams – you know, is to... You want you know, him to make Felicity again. Basically, because it was really good. But I'm saying, like, that's that what I think... That was the least successful thing he but ever did. that's what I think he's... I think that's what he, on a, you know, human level, is really good at. And I wish that... He, I don't know why he became, like, the sci-fi guy. Because, you know, he wrote this film. So, like, all yeah. these great, beautiful human moments, he wrote those. Like, why can't he just write a movie that doesn't have aliens or monsters or spaceships? Because he likes that stuff. That's like M. Night Shyamalan. What if he listens to this? JJ, I have a little crush on you because I like your glasses. But stop putting aliens in things. Please. (laughs) And just write a good movie and film it and I will like it a lot. There's no aliens in Alias. Weirdly, because it sounds like that. There is. Spoiler alert. No, don't talk about it. There's supernatural stuff, yes. Yes, there is. Yeah. So, no, you can't say no. No, alias. don't spoil Alias. I'm just saying, I am simply I won't tolerate it. This is not an Alias that podcast. Alias is a lot more supernaturally oriented than, you know, not. Yes, it is. So. Moving on. But I'm just saying. He, yeah. You know, J.J. Abrams you wrote see him this do movie. Something. And I like the words he wrote and the things he had people saying. Yeah. And that is the best part of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. So why can't he just make a movie that's just that? Well, then maybe we need to go over to Netflix after we finish recording this and put Mission Impossible 3 on there so you can watch You're it. You're right, because that's not an action movie, is Yeah, it? but there's no Don't supernatural. people pull off their faces in it? Yeah, that's not supernatural, though. Matt, it has Tom Cruise in it. You know my feelings about him. You don't like him? Nope. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. Um... Well, for people who, unlike Francesca, for people who do like Super 8... I'm going to punch your face in with my fists. Uh, Stay tuned to Film Nerds this week because we're going to be having uh, a roundtable podcast. We're bringing back the roundtable. We have not had the gang around in in quite some time. We're going to try to wrangle up 
the the Flanagans are both at the beach together. We're going to get them on. We're going to get a, a couple of other guests in here. Probably uh, probably Ben Stark will be joining us, and uh, hopefully a couple of other guests as well. So I'm so afraid that Ben Stark's going to hate me now. No, I like the movie Ben. I, I know. I think he'll forgive you. I liked it a lot, even. Yeah, Ben. But uh, but stay tuned for that. We're going to get a lot, probably a lot more into the. We're probably going to talk a lot less about the story elements like Francesca and I just discussed and probably get more into the nerdy the nerdy sort of uh, uh, probably some of the Hollywood business type aspects of it and probably also discuss um, you know I'm going I'm to get Ben Stark to talk to me about motifs because I always like him to, I always like that I always like to get Stark to uh, to drop a good motif on me you know. He's so much smarter than we'll ever he be. He is. He is, man. I that wanna, wasn't me just kissing your butt. I bet, he was, I bet he was picking out stuff. He, he probably noticed some things that will make you like the movie. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And by the way, I did start to say earlier, the flares, like, we get it. Like, at some of the time, I, I thought there was something wrong with the I projector. Get, I, I was get like, what is even flaring flare. right now? I don't see any light. What's I happening? Know. No, that's just his thing, man. All right. Well, Francesca? Man, I'd like to say something. What would you like to say? Super 8. Equals super great. Yeah. Ish. That's your disclaimer. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Tweet that out. Yeah. No. Well, anyways. You tell me what to tweet. Join us later this week as the film nerds come to my house with pitchforks and torches to chase my wife out of town. I know. Well, see, this is good, though. This is a good balance to your roundtable where you're all going to end up like... Making s'mores and kissing each other. No, somebody's like, wasn't it the best thing you've ever seen? Somebody's gonna want to pee in our Cheerios and be the spoil sport about it. I, I don't know who it is, but somebody's gonna be negative about it. Probably I can promise Graham. you. No, I'm gonna be, I, I'm gonna guess Flanagan. it's I'm gonna go ahead and, and venture to guess it's Ben Flanagan, but there's no telling. So so come on. It's gonna be a Flanagan. Though. Come listen this week and, they're just and try to. Yeah, you think? This is what they like. They're to just do. trying to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Join us later in the week for that, and uh, thanks for listening to us. Bye.